how are you doing this week? I'm alright. There's no easy games at this level, Ed. They're no, all challenging. No, Even Bursa Spore. Well, Turkish champions, you know, welcome to hell and all that. I'm sure, I'm sure they'll give us a lively welcome. They've got a very small and compact ground over there in, uh, in Bursa, which is, uh, in Anatolia. They're, they're the only, the second Turkish team to win the Turkish Super League outside of, uh, the Istanbul Giants. There you go. So that's wikipedia.bursaspor.no? No, no, I'm a, I'm a passionate follower of uh, uh, Turkish football, yeah. Um, some other team called Rangers, who I believe used to be big once upon a time. Yeah, apparently so, yeah. Now, now they uh, they haven't made a signing for 15 years or something. Um, I think they, they signed uh, James Beattie this summer. It was their, their first actual paid transfer in something like two years so yeah they've got some significant financial problems ranges uh, which is unsurprising really uh, given that uh, the tv revenue in scotland is pretty small and they've been um, historically spending fairly heavily trying to compete on a european stage when scotland is a small country yes absolutely um so the fulham game you described it in the intro there as disappointing and all i could think as i was watching it was this is very last season. It, it, it really had that feel about it. Yeah, it, it really did. And why should we expect anything different? Just because we've had the summer, like, we haven't improved over the summer, have we? As far as I know. So, yeah, I tell you what, the most disappointing bit, aside from um, obviously the game situation, having taken that you know very late lead and Nani missing the penalty, and that would have won us the game. Um, it was just the way that, that Fulham and particularly Bobby Zamora, who's you know a good player but certainly not a world great, managed to pull our defence around so easily. Johnny Evans was all over the place. I mean, it wasn't just just the, the f- Fulham's first equaliser. Evans was completely the wrong side of Zamora and allowed Zamora to spin him uh, all game. He was he, he didn't know whether to come short or to give him space because uh, Zamora was spinning off his shoulder and. This is Bobby Zamora we're talking about. He's he's not a 100-metre sprinter. Uh, so Evans was getting too tight and then giving him five yards instead. And he just seemed to be all over the place. And I, I've got to say, it seemed to be a, a defensive error to place Evans on Zamora when surely Vidic, as the senior man, should have done it. But uh, there you go. Um, uh, it was it was pretty poor all round defensively from United. And, and good, vibrant attacking play. Uh, and we'll, you know, clearly we'll score plenty of goals this season, but uh, some of the old frailties are still there. After 25 minutes, there only really looked like there was one team in it. The, it, it was at Craven Cottage, but it sounded like it was Old Trafford. The crowd were rather extraordinary, the travelling support. Great travelling uh, support, yeah. And, and United were completely and utterly dominant and definitely were quite unlucky not to have got a second in that first 25 minute spell which I think would have led to a very different game why I mean why do you think Nani took the penalty that seemed like a very strange decision yeah it's an odd one because last season uh, you'll remember when United uh, played Spurs Ryan Giggs took two penalties and, and scored both of them very coolly I thought um, and, and Nani was on the pitch then and, and couldn't could have taken it and there were a few quotes came out after the game saying that the players hadn't actually spoken about who was going to take the penalty and it seems like they didn't this time either or or nominated Nani and uh, I'm guessing after that penalty he probably won't be taking one again and especially as Ferguson singled him out after the game yeah um, 
this is sort of un- unfortunate for Nani. He had a, a he definitely made a difference when he came on. I thought um, he, he sort of made us look a bit livelier up front when we were starting to look like we'd slightly run out of ideas. But but yeah, it was, it was a very a, a, a very disappointing moment. Um, I mean, Fulham certainly deserved a draw on the balance of play. Three one would have been very harsh. And I sort of wanted to discuss the reaction to the game a little bit because um, I mean I don't know that like Twitter has a way of magnifying extreme views I guess it's a very small sample size of the United fan base as a whole but there was there seemed to be a sort of two responses broadly speaking one this is an absolute disaster and and look aren't we rubbish sack Fergie kind of thing and the other actually come on lads it's a pretty good result we're doing all right really and I don't think either of those are a sort of fair reflection no, I, I actually, I actually, I agree with you, and I, I think you're right. Yeah, there was some revisionism going on. People saying, "Well, we haven't, we didn't get a result against Fulham the last two years, so this is good." And I'm not sure that's true either, because I think actually, what happened in the past is irrelevant. It's what we do relative to our rivals that counts. And Fulham is probably one of those grounds you want to go and win at if you want to win the league. But you know, so in that sense, it was a disappointing result. Not, not a disaster. Two games into the the campaign, of course, are they? If we uh, if lose the league by a point as we did last year, then of course that counts as something. And and at the same time, yeah, it, it's it's not the worst thing ever. And and I agree with you. I thought I thought there were some pretty extreme views, but yeah, a very small section of people on on Twitter that um you know are United fans. So I don't think we need to worry about it too much. And you know, in terms of this one result, I, I, yeah said a few times I think we're a bit short this season so I think we'll we'll get several disappointing results this season and we may just have to live with it and you know I like that that's fine by me I, I you know if we if we don't win the league well that that'd be a shame but you know stop being a United fan or anything it's just it's it's just the sort of polarisation of views where if we're not winning the league we're the worst team in the world and then other people say yeah sort of the polar opposite of that which is you know Come what may, you know, are the greatest and all this kind of thing. But anyway, um, yes. Well, the, the, you, you, as you know, I don't fall into that latter camp, do I? No, so, no, no. Um, and, um, <laughs> the one thing, one thing that I, I wanted to say about the start of the season, obviously, like you can't tell anything really about how the league's going to go from from what's happened so far because it's very early days. But the fact that Chelsea have scored twelve without reply in their two games against teams that you would certainly expect them to beat comfortably but still it, it does goes to show that they're going to be a very effective unit this season and and um th- those 12 goals could could prove to be very valuable and I, I don't really see us destroying the same sides by quite such a comfortable margin we just don't seem to be blasting six past many teams at the moment no I, I'm, I'm not sure that there's that kind of killer instinct in the side at the moment either Chelsea of course score goals from everywhere and, and you just kind of wonder whether we'll be able to do that there's the Take out the, all the goals from Rooney and how many are coming from midfield and that kind of worries me a little bit. Uh, we don't have the Lampard-Maluda combo that are going to score lots. We just have to hope that Nani progresses again and gets into double figures and that Valencia does the same. And uh, all we have to hope that Rooney has another outstanding season. And, uh, you know, you have to you have to say um, until he hits um, peak fitness and he's well short of that still, then um, it's it's not going to happen. Of course, he, he missed the game against Fulham with a, um, with a stomach bug, apparently. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that is probably why he missed the game. I don't think there was anything insidious going on, do you? you no, no, no. Prepared to spread some gossip and tittle-tattle? No, I or think I think he was just ill. Yeah, me yeah. too. Um, um, so, um, it, but he should be back for the game against West Ham this weekend. I, I believe it's the, the half-five uh, Saturday evening, late afternoon type thing. I, I suppose it's one of the uh, ESPN games. And you'd expect, given given what West Ham have done so far this season, which is pretty awful, uh, United will turn them over quite easily. Yeah, you you would jolly well hope so. If they don't, then we really will be having a podcast next week where it's all doom and gloom. Um, but no, I, I think we'll we'll beat West Ham, won't we? They they they've looked pretty diabolical so far this season I think Avram Grant's a pretty decent manager seems to have done a fairly decent job wherever he's been but not a lot to work with at the moment at West Ham no there isn't and it's odd with Avram Grant I don't know when he became as you know a heavyweight manager that that people all after um just seemed to happen by default didn't it uh, he hadn't achieved an awful lot before he came to England no, certainly not in terms of the world game and and West Ham are in a, a bit of a mess obviously they're a uh, hundred million pounds in debt or, or whatever it is and seeking to trim down their squad and you know, get their finances on an even keel and uh, absolutely everyone who's up for sale bar Scott Parker apparently and a player I, I never particularly rated but everyone else seems to he's uh, is your typical English water carrying, you know, tough tackling, te- technically limited type player. But there you go. I, I think we'll turn him over. I, I don't think it'll be the sort of six or seven that we we did the once or twice, didn't we, at Old Trafford? But a comfortable sort of three nil type win uh, would be would be sufficient, and you'd you'd kind of expect that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, unsurprisingly, I'm going to suggest that I believe that Dimitar Berbatov will score. Well, he, Although I was, he probably I, he, needs to, doesn't he? Uh, he looked he looked all right against Fulham. He didn't he didn't like have a shocker or anything, but there were a couple of instances where it would have been good if he'd finished one. Yes, and you could say the same as Newcastle too. Yeah, you could. I don't think he's going to get twenty. No, I'm not giving up. It's too early to give up twenty five goals this season. No, no, stick 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 with your prediction. Uh, Miles off, of course, but you know, (laughs) stick to your guns. Um, And of course, uh, Javier Hernandez started the game. Um, He had an okay game, I thought. Uh, Dragged off after whatever it was, sixty, seventy minutes. But uh, you know, it was good to see him have a run out. I, I. I said, you know, I still think it will take him a little while to adapt to the rigors of English football. I know everyone got extremely excited when he first came into the squad this this uh, this pre-season, and he had a decent World Cup and all that. But uh, I, I think the lad will need time, and that's only fair. Yeah, absolutely. So we uh, touched briefly on the Champions League draw, but it it, it does look like um, pretty good passage through the group stages, unless unless it goes really disastrously wrong. No, I think United's got a good draw there. I mean, they, they, it could have been slightly better. I mean, we, we could have had, you know, say, Panathinaikos uh, as our second-seeded team, which would have been pretty easy. Greek football's not in a great state at the moment, and no one wants the trip to, to Turkey particularly, uh, although, of course, we, we won in Bajiktas last year, and, and Bertha support are, are a small regional side, effectively, uh, who did very well to win the... The Super League last season, so I think all in all, it is a good it's a good draw for us. The uh, the club will worry about the Rangers trip, obviously. Uh, you know, however many was it, two hundred thousand Rangers fans turned up in two thousand and eight uh, for the for the um, 
UEFA Cup final and Europa League final as it's now called and rioted for five hours and and so the the police and the club are pretty worried about that but I, I think it would be very different I, I I read a statistic yesterday that in 19 away trips over the last couple of years Rangers have had zero arrests so and, and you, you don't actually associate Scottish football with hooligans do you I mean they they have a very good reputation abroad and I think it will be absolutely fine we can understand uh, where where the hype might be coming from. And I think actually Rangers are a very poor side and the United will turn them over extremely easily home and away as we did last time we played them in sort of seven or eight years ago now. I think we'll we'll actually probably uh, win home and away against Bursa Sport as well. And, and Valencia will be a tough away fixture, but they're not the side they used to be. Obviously, they've lost uh, goal machine David Villa and, and uh, David Silva, who's gone to Manchester City, who's a very good player um you take a little bit of time to settle down i think in england before showing what he's really about the champions league group stages are stupid though aren't they i'm looking down the groups and you could say that there's there's really only two groups where the clubs that you pretty much expect to get through are going to struggle in any way shape or form the ac milan ix Auxerre, real madrid group looks fairly tasty and fc20 inter milan tottenham and verde bremen is probably quite a tough group but apart from that it's there's just some very poor teams in the group stages in the champions league well, there are, and, and the quality of the group stage has been reduced somewhat because Michel Platini uh, thought it was important that sides from Europe's smaller countries get the chance, so they altered the qualification process. So now it's 22 automatic qualifiers and, and 10 who come through. The qualification process, which has been changed, so they have the, the champion stream and the uh, the qualification stream in qualification now. Sorry, it's a bit of a mouthful. It's all right. but, but basically it means that you get five kind of sides from Europe Europe's smaller countries who are champions and this is what of course what the European Cup used to be about so five smaller sides that are champions of smaller countries uh, but might not have qualified before but uh, get an opportunity to do so now and that, that's where we get people like uh, you know, Ruben Kazan came through last season beat Barcelona at the Camp Nou and Zelina and uh, are through here from Slovenia Slovakia one of the two and uh, obviously uh, CFR Cruj from Romania qualified last year and they've qualified again and and and, and burst the sport now and, and and so on. Yeah, it's um it, it does mean though that the the group stages are going to by and large be a procession for the same teams that they're always a procession for. I I think so and I, I think in the United's case I think we'll actually find that Ferguson rests a few players for some of the Champions League games rather than the Premier League games and we're lucky that we, we in the middle of the group stages we play Arsenal and Liverpool and uh, both of those games fall after home matches and uh, Ferguson will be very pleased with that one uh, obviously you look at the travel arrangements especially to to Turkey Bursa I mean I, they'll fly direct into Bursa uh, for fans, uh, it might actually be cheaper to go to Istanbul and take the boat over, which is a two-hour boat ride to Bursa, apparently. So I, I don't know whether that's a great Euro trip for the fans, particularly. Sounds like a folk song, a two-hour boat ride to Bursa. There you go, write it. We'll play it at the end of uh, next week's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you um, you mentioned Liverpool there. Um, oh, it's a shame we, they didn't lose last night because we could have had a Let's All Laugh at Liverpool session um we could probably do that anyway they they really do look like they're 
struggling very badly so far this season, aren't they? Yeah, I, I mean, they, they've had to readjust their expectations. Obviously, they've brought in no one of any significance. Christian Paulson this summer, they, they're going to lose Mascherano as we, as we speak. Um, yeah, the Liverpool just been agreed. Exactly, and, and basically Liverpool were just looking to recoup what they paid, which was about 18 million, and they'll get a few extras on top. Um, and, and he'll be off, and, and it'll be a big loss for them. You know, they, they'll have Lucas and Christian Paulson in, in the centre of midfield there, and that's not going to scare anybody. And they just beat Trabzonspor last night, and uh, Trabzonspor just thrashed Bursaspor 3 0 last week, actually. Um, so that might give you an idea of how good Bursaspor are. Absolutely. Um, Mascheron is off to make Barcelona even better. That's, that's good, isn't it? Yes, well, they needed that kind of defensive player. They've got, uh, obviously, Busquets, and, and uh, PK has played there occasionally, not very often. Uh, and they used to have Marquez, and, of course, he's gone to the States. So th- they lost, uh, and Yara Torre has gone to City. So they lost two defensive players, and so they needed to bring one in, which they've which they've done. And, and Barcelona, I think, uh, are going to be awesome this season. But, uh, of course, you'd probably say the same about uh, Real Madrid uh, and uh, Jose as well. They've got a phenomenal amount of talent Real Madrid have there. I mean, they, they added, uh, uh, in addition to all their massive spending last summer, they, they actually didn't spend that much, really, relatively, this summer. But for 23 million euros, they managed to pick up Mesut Ozil and Sami Khedira, which, um, if you want to look at value in the market, that's some, that's some value. <laughs> it's, it's going to be like a complete football punditry cliche, isn't it? Value in the market, but... Well, it's because it's so ridiculous. Such a stupid yeah. line. It, it really is, and, and Ferguson has um, has allowed himself to be mocked by uh, repeating it over and over again. Of course, he didn't. He didn't go to the draw yesterday, Ferguson. Um, I guess he's with his team preparing for the West Ham game. So David Gill was there to uh, talk extremely blandly about United's draw and say very nice things about everybody. As uh, is what you have to do in UEFA political circles, apparently. I can't believe Sir Alex didn't want to go to that. Hey, what do you make of all this uh, not talking to the BBC and getting fined for it business? Well, two 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 things here, and I had this had this chat with a few people on Twitter last week. One, I, I think anyone who's a parent, uh, if if they had that done to their child, and uh, it was a lot of not. And I, actually, I watched the documentary again. Someone posted it up on YouTube, so I, I, I watched it again this week just to remind myself of what it was about. And it was a very nod nod wink wink. Ferguson's making the young players sign on with his son's agency so he can get a few kickbacks and brown envelopes and all that kind of stuff and there wasn't a ton of hard evidence it was all suggestion although you know very very serious I think to to say that Ferguson's using his influence to get his son business I think that is a very serious charge um, yeah. One of um, of course, John Magnia and J.P. McManus um, brought up in their infamous 99 questions to the to the United board um, when they were in dispute with Ferguson in, in 2004 over the horse, and the board took no action on it for whatever reason. So I think anyone who kind of had that done to their 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 child would probably react in a similar way. I mean, Ferguson's obviously angry, and the best thing he can do is is boycott. I mean, short. Sure, his son suing for libel, which didn't happen. Ferguson's you know, instigated this ban, and I think he's probably fair to do so. On the other hand, United, the brand, lives on media coverage, and, and I actually think football as a community is very, very poor about dealing with the media in this country. I mean, it, it's partly because the media are extremely hostile. Uh, yeah. But of course, if, you, if, you, if you're more open, you get less hostility. You know, fact. You can, well, look at some of the, you can look at the, some of the US sports... And after, a, a, say, an NFL game, every single player will get interviewed, and that's 
they have to do it and they, they do do it and they recognize the value of that because they will all want their advertising contracts as well. And if you're in the media, you're more relevant to sponsors and, and they you have cameras in the dressing rooms and it's just a much more open media environment than, than football is, is here where, where it's effectively a war. You know, the press office at United, their job is not to secure great coverage for United. It's to stop any stories getting out. I, I kind of, broadly speaking, agree that more openness leads to less hostility, but I don't think it's quite as straightforward as that because there's plenty of hostile coverage of the NFL and the American media. There is, and uh, yeah, not debating that. I just, I just think the culture is different. Yeah, absolutely, and it is a real shame because the kind of complete the media, you know, without what the hell is the media? It doesn't exist. There's no big thing called the media. It's just the result of the actions of lots of individual journalists and outlets. But the they have themselves to blame a lot of the time for creating that war environment because everyone wants the latest scoop everyone wants the dirt the tabloid press is so ridiculously overblown and overly personalized that it's you can imagine it feeling extremely risky for players to be open with the media yeah and and every every line is scrutinized and one line that sound may mean something different out of context will be used as the headline yeah absolutely so you, you, this this kind of complete bland platitude media trained or out of all personality that that happens as a result is the only way of players protect themselves because if you never say anything interesting at all nothing can be used out of context and there are really big exceptions to this you get detail the guardian sports pages are almost always excellent you get really good detailed one-on-one interviews with players from time to time and really good profile pieces and stuff it does happen but the but yeah the general culture is certainly not one which is rife with interest and spice and you know personality no there's very poor access uh for the media to players and it's almost always via sponsors Almost always. I mean, yeah. those one-on-one interviews, they'll be plugging their latest Adidas boot or whatever it is. And yeah. um, there's very little openness on that. Yeah, there's just no willingness. The players do not want to do these interviews. And uh, clubs are quite happy for, for that to happen. Well, I mean, the, I suppose the culture of salaries is probably a big factor because yeah players like making money from their activities with their sponsors but the top players are less reliant on that than they are elsewhere because there's no salary cap so they earn an absolute fortune just doing their job regardless of sponsor activity so there's less compulsion to talk to the press and also you know just like England has a very different culture in general to America a very different interpersonal culture yeah. You know, there's a, there's much more of a, uh, a culture of openness in America in general. Yes, you're right. Well, that, that's that. And there's a couple of other things I wanted to discuss uh, before okay. we, before we end the the pod this week. Um, one, it looks like Tom Cleverly will be going out on loan. Bit after a, all that, after all that, a bit of you know double about face here from Ferguson. First, he, he it was an absolute certainty Cleverly was going out on loan, uh, and then uh, Ferguson, uh, after failing to sign anyone of you know, any significance in the summer uh, in in that sort of central midfield role, said he had to stay. He was too good to go, and now it looks like. Cleverly will be joining either Bolton or Wigan. It seems like it's up to him for a season-long loan, and uh, I guess Bolton would be the more stable choice under Owen Coyle. I think uh, 
Wigan are a fast sinking ship. Uh, although they do play nice football under Roberto Martinez, so you know, good, good, probably a good move for the lad. Leaves United a little bit short. Yeah, I mean, what what do you think's brought it on? You know what? I I I think Ferguson just doesn't trust his youth, and, and you know, I know that's a controversial statement because the the Twitter arty of you know United fandom out there believes that United has the you know the best collection of youth players uh, ever. I'm not sure. I mean, this guy's 21 had almost well, he's had he's never played Premier League game. He's had a few under 21s, and his his experience of football professionally is lower half of the championship so um you know he might he might come good and i think that is a really big might and it's a good move that he he goes and plays on alone of of the other players and we're very very early in the season so this isn't really a criticism but rafael no games fabio started the community shield nothing else cleverly no games from chaden no games welbeck obviously shipped out dioff shipped out gibson no games uh, so you know then we're into like evans who's got three seasons behind him anyway so actually first few games in the season no faith in youth and and you know we'll see whether that changes or not um but anyway that's that's why cleverly's going out there's a huge difference between going out on loan in the championship and to bolton say i mean bolton it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that they could be challenging for a uefa cup spot this season i'm not saying they're going to be but you know bolton are a very decent premiership side aren't they and so that that's a that's a very different level of experience to be getting and i think if certainly if i was cleverly i'd be quite excited about the prospect i think because you definitely get more games playing at bolton you'd be a more integral part of the team and and yeah it could, could be a big season for him wigan i think would be a very strange choice would he then be a squad player at Bolton? You know, it's slightly bigger side than Wigan. Is he going to play? He needs. He's got to play every week. Otherwise, what's the point? I mean, you, you'll get the kind of Giuseppe Rossi scenario when he went to Newcastle and was sat on the bench. Point yes. Yeah. He's got to play. But then again, you know, Bolton had Jack Wilshire last year and he did play in the second half of the season every week. So you'd kind of hope, you'd kind of hope that that does happen and and maybe he'll really develop. I mean, he's a late developer anyway. So there you go. Really, you know, hope hope that works out for him. Still, for me, leaves United with well, there's none. There's no attacking midfielder in our squad. I mean, you can you could call Gibson that, but his range of passing is just woeful. And here's another one you hope develops late. He'll be 23 soon, and uh, you'd kind of say if he's not good enough at 23, he might never be good enough. But we all have Darren Fletcher as the example of someone who came good very late. Yeah, you knew I was going to say that, didn't you? That's why you got it out there as quickly as you could. I was just going to say the words. Have you noticed how everyone in the world is now calling it Manchester United's most important midfielder? Yeah, you, you should have um, you should have got a a, a patent now on that one. You could have charged royalties. Yeah, I could. Yeah. Although I'm not sure you can patent an adjective. You can probably patent a concept. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, Michael Owen wearing a Liverpool shirt. Yeah, he's going. He's, he's you know like. I, I jest uh, somewhat, but yeah, he's uh, he will be playing for Liverpool. Uh, for uh, he's been given to permission to play a half in Jamie Carragher's testimonial. Oh well, that's all right. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I I, w- I would be more outraged if it was someone who's actually a proper Manchester United player. But this one's just you know he's unfortunately in our squad for a couple of years until his contract runs out. It's a sort of bit of a mascot situation going on with Michael Owen, isn't there? 
Yeah, I I just don't see the point in him. But yeah, there you go. Some people do. He, I mean, I I still maintain that Wayne Rooney's season last season was heavily influenced by the fact that Michael Owen was at the club. Um, although that's pure speculation, it's speculation which makes a lot of sense to me, and 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 that certainly would uh, make it valuable enough to have him around. So uh, you you're saying what three nil to United against West Ham? I I yeah I. I'm- why not? 3-0. I, I think it'll be a comfortable victory uh, either way. OK, I'm going to go with, I think, 2-0. I think it's going to be a bit shaky, but we're still going to win. That's my, my unfortunate prediction this week. I was, uh, I've was i had my confidence knocked by the Fulham game. All right. Well, don't have it knocked too much. Uh, I, I think we'll do fine this week. Uh, bigger games to come, of course, in the season ahead. Uh, West Hammer. Pretty weak side, and uh, I think we're looking at a comfortable three points uh, ahead of the international break, and then of course the Champions League starts proper in sort of mid-September, and looking forward to that. Okay, so after last week's um, play out of Atalanta '91's fantastic bombastic tune Phoenix, um, you got contacted by another listener. Yep, yeah, uh, Bill's a regular poster on the uh, on the on the blog and uh, comments on the podcast too, and he runs a uh, electronic music project called Source of Gravity. So this is their latest latest track, uh, Stereo and McClellan Langness. <laughs> Thank you. 